I'm pulling out of the driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today's podcast is actually kind of a follow-up to a podcast I did a couple years ago called Designing Commons. And so today, I'm going to talk about designing uncommons. Um, so I'm going to talk all about, I'm going to get into the nitty-gritty uh, warning. There's some math coming up. Uh, I'm going to talk all about sort of how we make uncommons and what role uncommons play in magic. Okay, so um, when I talked about commons, a lot of the role of commons was really defining your set, giving you know definition to your set, and very much sort of being the ground, the, the cement to make limited work. Um, so uncommon lives in an interesting space in which it shares responsibility with commons to, to work in limited because um, it shows up in enough rarity that you that you need to care in limited. But it also has some um, constructed roles, and so I'm going to talk about sort of the uncommon. It's this weird rarity that kind of lives between other rarities. Um, and in fact, if you ask me which rarity tends to have the most problems with it, I, I mean, commons is the hardest to design. I've said that before, but uncommons gets overstuffed the easiest. Uh, in fact, we used to have 60 uncommons in a large set, and we eventually moved to 80 because we were getting so jam-packed. Like, one of the things that happens is, um, for example, with New World Order, we change what could be a common, and we, we, we have a much tighter set of rules about, about complexity of common. And as such, there are things that no longer work at common that we had to move up. Meanwhile, you know, we're always trying to sort of fight for space and rare, and a lot of times rares have to move down. So uncommon both gets commons moving up and rares moving down. So it, it is definitely always full of trying to do things. And so let, let, I'm going to walk through today sort of what uncommons are doing. So to start with, we got to talk math. Remember when I was a kid, I was in my math class, I don't know, many years ago, and I remember saying to my teacher that I would never need to use math, that I was going to be a writer, and I was going to use words. And other than, you know, page numbers and counting up my money, I wouldn't need numbers. And flash forward, uh, I use math a lot. So um, I, I apologize to my math teacher. Uh, kids, stay in school, learn math. It is important. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about, about pack math. Fun, fun, fun. Okay, so in a booster pack, on average, you will have 10 common cards, 3 uncommon cards, 1 rare or mythic rare, and 1 land. So one of the things we need to figure out is when you talk about limited, how often does something show up? So common, for example, there are 101 common cards in a large set. Let's, for, to make math a little simpler, we'll assume there's 100. Okay, so there's 100 cards in a pack. So any particular card in any particular pack, you have one in 100 chance of opening it up. But there are 10 copies of every, uh, there are 10 common slots. So is that one-tenth? I've said the 100th times 10. So you have a 1 in 10 chance of opening up any particular common in any particular booster pack. So 10%. So essentially, if you grab a random booster pack, there's a 10% chance that a particular common is in that pack. Okay, but usually when people play, they play with more than, you know, there's two ways to play. There's sealed, where you tend to have five booster packs, or there's draft, where you tend to have three booster packs. So in five booster packs, if you're playing sealed, you now have five packs, each of which have 10%, which means you have a 50% chance or a one in two percent, one in two chance of playing with a particular common. Um, and when I say a particular common, I mean, you know, 
uh, just imagine I'm talking about, uh, you know, there's, there's a creature called, uh, you know, let's just say there's a scathed zombies in the set. The chance of you opening scathed zombies, particularly that card, not just any zombie, not just a black card, that particular card, uh, in, a, in a single booster pack is 10%, in sealed is 50%, uh, in draft you have three packs, so it's three out of 10, so that is 30%. Um, roughly one in three, slightly less, obviously. Um, but the idea essentially is with commons, you know, if for any one common, you know, normal booster pack is 10%, draft is 30%, sealed is 50%. Okay. Um, now let's talk about uncommon. So uncommon, there are three uncommon slots in the pack and there are 80 uncommons in a large set. So that means it chance of getting any one uncommon in a slot is one out of 80. But getting it in a booster pack is 3 out of 80, which is about 4%. Now, in booster draft, when you have three packs, that goes up to be 9 out of 80, or roughly one ninth. It's 11%. And then if you have five packs per sealed, you have a 15 out of 80, or a 3 out of 14 chance, which is basically 21%. So the idea is, with uncommons, uh, any particular... Any particular um, Booster gives you 4% of getting a, a specific uncommon, 11% in a draft, and 21% in a um, sealed. Now, by the way, when I say a booster draft, I mean you opening one. Now, it changes a little bit. So it's 11% that you will open, a, you in one of your packs will open a particular thing. What are the chances of it just appearing in the draft? Well, eight people are playing in the draft, so multiply by eight. So if there's an 11% chance that you open one, there's an 88% chance that someone opens one. So you can see, um, so for example, with commons, uh, there is a uh, 240% chance of opening one, which means that now you can open one, but in, a partic- in any one draft, there's about two and a half copies of any one particular common card. Slightly less, obviously, 2.4, but um, close enough, two and a half. Um, so when you get to, so what it says is, if I have a particular common, it's pretty much going to not only show up in every draft, but show up in multiples in every draft. Um, if I have a particular uncommon, well, there's a good chance it'll show up in draft, 88%. So there's a good chance, but not, not a guarantee it will. Um, and once again, when we're talking about percentages, remember that, that I'm talking about the, the average, that there actually is a range. So some, some drafts might have two copies, maybe even three copies of a card. Some could have zero. That there is a range for what we're talking about, the percent chance of it opening up. And so, um, now the reason I bring you all this math is not just to torture you with math, um, but to make you understand that one of the things, you know, when I talk about a trading card game in general, I always talk about how one of the one of the great joys of a trading card game is you, the player, never know what you're going to experience. But one of the frustrations for designing a trading card game is we, the designers, never know what you're going to open. You know, and so it is very difficult when you're trying to control an experience. You know, we want to make sure that you have a fun experience. Now, normally, when you make a normal game, you get to choose. You know, if yeah, I'm designing Monopoly. If I think four railroads is the right amount of railroads, well, guess what? That's what you're going to get every time you play, you know. And that normally when you make a game, you have such precise control over what, what your audience plays with. Um, but in a trading card game, you don't. So rarity really is the one tool we have available for us. Now, there's another thing that I've not brought up. All my percentages I've been talking about have been about one particular card. Like if I have one card. But we actually have the tool beyond that, which is we can control how many cards. 
Um, so let's say, for example, I want to make sure you play with something. Um, between common and uncommon, I can determine how many copies of that. So when I talk about ASFAN, if you listen to my podcast, you hear me talk about ASFAN all the time. ASFAN ties into what I'm talking about today, which is how many cards do I need to put in at the various rarities such that when somebody opens a pack, I have some sense of what they're going to open. So for example, let's say I'm making a, a multicolor set and I want to make sure there's a lot of multicolor cards. So if I set an ASFAN of two, what that means is between the number of cards I put in all rarities, based on the math I'm talking about here, there, you know, each average booster pack will have an you know, ASFAN of two means two of the cards in your pack will be gold cards. Um, and obviously, the more you put it at lower rarities, the higher the ASFAN, or well, the, the more you put it at lower rarities, the less you need to put in to get the ASFAN up. That if you put a card in a common, like I said, any one particular card shows up 10% of the time in a booster pack. Okay, well, you don't need to put that many cards in a common in order to guarantee that you get what you want. Also, by the way, another thing that's important is we have two different types of slots. Um, normally, we have a variable slot, which is just like the only thing determining the slot is, is a rarity. Sometimes, though, we do something special. Uh, a good example would be the double face cards in um, the double face cards in Innistrad and Scar. Uh, uh, not Scars of Innistrad, sorry. <laughs> Shadows of Innistrad, um, or uh, even just basic land in a normal pack. Uh, that's what we call a, lo a locked slot. What a locked slot means is it's not that you know exactly what's going in that slot, but you know what it's getting pulled from. And usually, in the locked slot, we um, are giving you something specific. And what that means is, you know if you open up a, a Innistrad or a Dark Ascension or a Shadows of Innistrad or an Eldritch Moon booster pack, you're going to get a double-faced card. Well, how do you know that? Because there's a locked slot. Everyone has one. You are going, I mean, most of the time, I should say, I guess there's packing irregularities. Um, and so, you know you're going to get it, just like you know you're going to get a basic land um, if you open up a normal booster pack, because there's a locked slot to it. So, also in doing your math, that's another, like... There's a lot of factors here for doing your math. But anyway, so first and foremost, one of the things that's important about Uncommon is it is one of the tools. Like, anything we put in Uncommon, we have to be willing for people to play with in Limited. Like, we don't put things in Uncommon that we don't want people playing with in Limited. If a card is bad for Limited, then we don't put it at either Common or Uncommon. Well, what do you mean bad for Limited? Uh, there's a couple things. One is there are cards that are so narrow that they just, they're wasted space and limited. We try to avoid those at common and uncommon. Um, normally we call those niche cards. We put them at rare. We're like, oh, it does a really neat thing if you have the right deck for it, but limited is just too hard to do that. Um, let me give you an example, like a Battle of Wits, which is a card that says, if you cast this card and your deck has over 200 cards in it, you win the game. Well, oh, oh, okay, you know, you could build around that, but in limited, in limited, you don't even have 250, you, know, you, don't, you don't even have enough, if you played every card you got, if every card you opened you played, and then you added a lot of land in, you know, without playing a crazy amount of land, you, you can't get to the point where that will work in, in limited. But that's a fun card, and no one's saying we don't want to make those cards, you know, but the idea is, you know, we'll push things up to rare. Anything at uncommon, um, the other thing we want, so one is niche cards, and the other thing we don't want is what I call bombs. We want to be very careful where we put our bombs. And what a bomb is, is I play this card, and, you know, barring you do something crazy, I'm probably going to win. It's so powerful that it's probably going to leave me in the game. Now, that said, uncommon, 
So one of the things we do want to have happen is we ramp up between from common up to uncommon in limited. And that, how do we differentiate what we want to common limited from what we want uncommon limited? Well, there's a couple factors. So number one, uh, I briefly talked about with New World Order, is complexity. Um, we want to make sure that the cards that you are playing, um, and un- like if common either itself is too complicated, um, either in comprehension complexity, because it's hard to understand what it does, or in um, board complexity, that it really makes the board harder to track. Like, here's a good example is, before New World Order, we used to put Samite Healer all the time into limited environments. So Samite Healer, for those who don't know, uh, it costs uh, two mana, two or three mana, uh, and it's a one-one creature that you tap to prevent one damage to any creature or player. And the problem with Samite Healer was that it really, really complicated math. Because every combat you got into, you had to adjust for the fact that maybe, you know, one creature there would do one less damage. Um, and it really made a much more complicated board state. Um, and then, if you had multiples of them, it made it even more complicated. So what we decided with New World Order is that, you know what, things like that make a complicated board state. We can have them, we want them. It's not even that we don't want them necessarily in limited, although Samite Healer might not be the best example. We've been sort of cooling on Samite Healer. Um, but there are definitely things that we want that are board complicating, and we want in limited, we just don't want a lot of them. So... Um, so, the, so A, you might be pushed up from common to uncommon because you're a little too complex or you're a little too board complex. Um, also, you might be pushed up if we just don't want, like one of the things we want to be careful about is we want to have levels as we go up. One of the levels is complexity. Another level is power. Like one of the things we've learned is we want to make sure that the, the main building blocks of standard are not, or not, not standard, of uh, limited, are not too powerful. And that what we found is if we had too much variance in the commons, meaning if certain commons were so powerful, they just, you know, they themselves made giant swings, uh, it really uh, caused an imbalance. And so what we've been doing lately is to keep, to help keep limited a little, a little um, less, you know, to, to limit the variance, you want some variance, but limit the variance is we've been sort of making sure that common, that the power level of common is not disrupting to limited. Now note, that doesn't mean there can't be commons that are tournament worthy, because um, there's a big difference between what is relevant and limited versus what relevant and constructed. Um, but the stuff I'm talking about is very limited focus, which is, you know, we want things, we want to have bombs, we want to have giant moments where big creatures come out and huge effects happen. We don't want that to happen all the time. So we clearly don't want it in a common. We also don't want that in uncommon. Um, but a lot of what happens, a lot of where uncommon came from, is us saying, well, here's things we don't want in common. And then uncommon, like, okay, uncommon, suck it up, you, you get it. You know? And so with things that are too complex, things that are, um, and when I say too complex, I mean both comprehension complex and board complex. Um, strategic complex, we're okay with a common, because that's the kind of thing the beginner doesn't really see. Um, then also, power level, we want to make sure that things that are overpowered, and I, once again, I mean in limited, uh, we ramp up. Um, another thing is size. One of the things we want to do, um, size and I'll say splash as well, those are interconnected, is we want the commons to be good functional cards that, you know, like help help make a, a, a good game. But we don't want every common card to be, oh my goodness, oh my God, you know, like there, there, there's a certain amount of splash that we want for higher rarities. 
And what we've decided is um, that common really isn't where we put splash anymore. That uh, uncommon gets to be a place for limited splash. And then rare and mythic rare are for constructed splash. Um, now, once again, that doesn't mean there can't be, and there are, common and uncommon cards that are, good, that are good in tournaments. Usually what that means is, like, a good example would be, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Delver Secrets, which was a common in Innistrad. Uh, that card was fine and limited because you had to build around it. You know, it was a, it was a creature that, uh, if you had instant or sorcery, it could turn it into a, from a 1-1 to a 3-2 flyer. Um, and the idea was, if you could get it turned quickly, because the creature came out for, I think, one mana, it, it was pretty powerful. But if you couldn't turn it quickly, it wasn't nearly as good. And so limited, good enough to play, but it wasn't overpowering, so that was okay at, at common. Um, and so we want to be very careful of watching sort of what our splash value is. Um, so uncommon gets splashy limited cards. Um, and what that means is things in which can help win a game for you, they're not bombs in the sense that if your opponent can't quickly answer them, they're doomed. But it could be things that, okay, this that if it goes unchecked for a number of turns, it can help me win the game. It's not like it's going to win the game in one turn. Um, and then one of the things we also do is, in order to keep splash level, we also watch size that we don't want. So one of the things that common is, white tends, the biggest white creature you'll see usually is three power at common. Blue is usually about three power with the one exception that we make a serpent, usually like a five power serpent. Uh, black is about four power, red is about four power, green's about six power. Um, green's, the, green's the color of the fatty, so it, it gets a little bit bigger at common. But the idea is we want um, to save some room to get you excited higher rarities, and we want some splash value. So part of that is size. So uncommon also tends to have, um, you know, the, the five fives, the six sixes, the, the things that, you know, especially like stuff with evasion. It's like, okay, I get this out, you know, or even like a, a four four with evasion. Um, it's very common, for example, at Uncommon to have like a 4-4 flyer, which is like, okay, this is, this is not going to win the game instantaneously, but if I get a 4-4 flyer out, okay, you got, you know, four or five turns to figure out what's going on to stop me, or else I'm going to win. Um, now, again, then you have chumps and chump blocks. I mean, you, you have, like, an uncommon card, a splash uncommon card, is something that, like, you're going to draft highly. It's very much going to maybe dictate what colors you go into, but it... It's something that your opponent has some ability to answer. Where rare is where we put stuff that's just like, what are you going to do? It, it is, you know, it's going to be really hard to deal with. Not impossible, but very hard to deal with. Um, the other thing in general, which is sort of a corollary of what I've been saying, is if there's any reason why in limited we don't want too, too many of any one particular card. Like, we want the card in limited, but we don't, want, we don't want too much of that card in limited. Uncommon is where we stick the thing. Um, sometimes that has to do with, like... How many breakthrough cards we have. Sometimes that has to do what, with board complexity. Sometimes it just has to do with, hey, this is more fun if there's not a lot of them. So let me talk about uh, another specialty, uh, uncommon, uh, an uncommon special for limited, what we call the build-around. So what the build-around is, is when we make magic, one of the things that we do is we want to make sure the draft experience is fun, not just the first time, not just the second time, not just the fifth, the tenth, the twentieth, the thirtieth. We wanted to make it fun for many, many drafts. And so part of doing that is we create a system by which we build in things for you to discover. And the idea is early on what we do, because we want to make it, um, we want to make early drafting something accessible to everybody, we put a lot of archetypes. Normally in a, a traditional draft, 
Um, we'll take each of the two color combinations and make an archetype. Sometimes we do one color, sometimes we do three color, but on average, it's the two colors we focus on. You'll notice we often do an uncommon gold card. Um, that's a, a, a new staple that we tend to do that's meant as a, to help explain what you're trying to do in draft, to, to be a, gu a guide card, if you will. Um, so uncommon often will do that where it's, it's helping making strong messages of what can, can and can't be draft, drafted. Um, so anyway, the idea is that um, we work into common all the stuff that we want. You know, like, let's say, for example, uh, um, we're making a making red-white. We're like, okay, red-white's going to have an aggro sort of team-up quality. We want to make sure that the cards in common can do that. And blue-green's going to do this ramp strategy. We're going to get up bigger fatties. Okay, we'll make sure the, the basic ramp qualities are there. And maybe, you know, green common that normally has one fatty, maybe it has a second fatty or something. You know, we, for whatever the theme is we, we want to do there. Um, but the, then the idea is that uncommon then follows up with, like, the gold cards or the things that really sort of, you know... Um, if you're trying to ramp up bigger things, well, maybe the, the effect, you know, maybe common only has one big thing, but uncommon has a bunch of big things to make sure that if you're playing green, you have access to some bigger things. Um, so green will really give support and make sure you understand what the draft is. But in the stuff that's the major stuff, we want to put it in common so that you understand what it is you're trying to do. But one of the things we want, one of the ways to make draft fun is... We want to make sure that there are things to explore beyond the, the earliest level. The first level is like, okay, let me play the themes of the set. And the second level is kind of, okay, let me play the archetypes built into the set. Third level is what we call the Builderonomies. And the idea there is it's a card that if you open up in limited, you'll be, it will push you in a certain direction. Spider spawning, for example, from Innistrad is a classic example of a Builderon. Um, another thing we do all the time is we make... Uh, red enchantments, uncommon enchantments, that do two damage whenever you do thing that is relevant to the set you are playing in. Um, and that those kind of cards, it says, okay, I, I pack, pick one, pack one, I get this card, and I go, oh, oh, okay, I see a strategy. I'm going to now adapt all my, stra my drafting to try to follow through on what that is. Um, and because limited, like I said... That, you know, there's always a chance that maybe a second copy can show up. You might be able to grab that copy. And because your deck's built around it, if another copy pops up, there's a better chance that you would get that card than somebody else. Um, the other thing we tend to do at Uncommon for Limited is things in which we, they're the ramped-up version of our themes. That if, um, you know, Red White's doing an aggro strategy, you know, Uncommon will have you know, even slightly more aggressive, you know, uh, aggro creatures for you. Um, so let, let me, now, now let me explain the, so in limited, you know, you're definitely sort of figuring out what are the higher, you know, people aren't going to get a lot of the uncommons. So what you want to do is take your themes and ramp them up a little bit. Then you want to add layer in other themes, which allow you to do build around these. The other thing we'll do in Uncommon sometimes is what we call bridging cards, where we do things that take two different themes in the set and we'll connect them through an Uncommon card. And what that does is if you get it early, it might encourage you to do a hybrid of two strategies where you normally would do one of them. But this card encourages you to do hybrid. But in general, that's what Uncommon does in Limited, is it's providing sort of extra content. It's helping cement you in directions you're going. It gives you op other possible directions. It also is where we tend to put finisher cards for Limited. Not the bombs, those go to rare, but cards that, like I said, really, if you get this out, it will help you win the game. Not immediately, not, you know, bombs are sort of like, I do this and, wow, I can completely swing the game. 
Um, the uncommon cards I'm talking about are things that um, will help you win the game, but will help you, you know, through time win the game, not instantaneously win the game. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about constructed because uncommon actually plays another role as well. So let me talk about an idea called an excitement point. Um, and what that means is when you open up a booster pack, um, there are, let's say, five layers of, of things you might be looking for. Um, I could be somebody who opens up just a few booster packs. Let's say I'm a really casual player and I only buy four or five booster packs at every set. Um, for me, my excitement point is the commons. And what that means is, well, actually, let me, let me go from the opposite end. Let's say that I'm a diehard Magic player and I open boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of product. What is, the, what is the thing I'm looking for when I open it up a pack? I'm looking for the masterpieces. Those are something that are very infrequent, but I, I have all the cards. I have all the normal cards. I have, I have all the mythic rares. I have the rares, the commons, the uncommon. I have them. I've opened up a lot of cards. Well, my excitement point, the thing I'm, like, I'm hoping when I open it up is I'm hoping, you know, my focus on is, okay, did I get a masterpiece? Let's go down a little bit. Let's take somebody who opens up maybe just a box or two. Well, for them, the, 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 um, the mythic rare is the excitement point because like, they don't have all the mythic rares, so they're looking for things. And you know, even if they have one they really wanted, maybe they want a second copy of it. You know? So that's what they're looking at. Well, let's say, for example, you open up only a, only a box um, or maybe a little less than a box. The rare might be your excitement point. You know, that might be the thing to go, okay, that's, you know, I, yes, I'm excited when I get a Mythic Rare and excited when I get a, a, a Masterpiece, but the Rare is really where my focus is. I don't have the Rares right now, so every Rare is what could be exciting. So not just a little bit. Let's say maybe you get half a box every time. Now the Uncommons become your excitement point. You know, so the idea is, whatever you open up that is mo- that, that's the lowest, the lowest thing you can get, that you have some... Whatever is the most certain you'll get, but the least you have, is where the excitement point lies. So the idea is some people, and this is, this is one of the things we think about for Uncommon is, what we want is what kind of person is opening half, half a box where their excitement point is the Uncommon. Now, once again, as I started, there are people who open very few, just a few booster packs, in which even the Common are the excitement point, because they don't even have all the cards, they don't even have all the Commons. Um, and so Commons can be exciting for them. Um, we very much think about that, and when we make comments, there's a little bit about how to excite that player. Um, but that player also is excited just by new things, new mechanics and stuff. It, the excitement point to comment is a little easier. But when you're making uncommon, one of the things is, on one side, you always, nothing goes in uncommon that you don't want people playing in limited. That's, that's the one factor on one side. The other side is, you want to make something that people who are at, at the... Uh, uncommon excitement point level where like they, they buy few enough things that just the uncommons are where they get really excited um, you want to make sure there's things to really excite them um, and what we've discovered is that limited is a lot like so let me explain a different kind of what I call casual constructed casual constructed it means the following for my definition right now I own magic cards I make decks my format is the cards I own um, now traditionally um, casual constructed um, often is standard if you're new enough. It's modern if you're not. You know, it's like I've been playing for n number of years, uh, and I, I got the cards I got. Um, now there are some casual players that are that actually go beyond modern. They've been playing a long, long, long time, and just you know, they, they've never got super invested in the sense that they keep buying magic cards, but you know, they just play with what they own. Um, and so one of the things we've learned about limited is limited does a lot to sort of mirror casual constructed. 
Um, because a lot of casual construction is you play with what you got. And so a lot of your decision-making matches kind of how um, sealed works. Is okay, well, I'll play the best green creature. This is the best green creature I got. You know, and that you'll play so many and you'll go, you'll go as deep as your collection allows. And that if you need 15 green creatures, well, your 15 worst green creatures makes your deck. You know, if you're doing a mono green, whatever, you know. Um, and that, the, the idea is that your, um, when you're designing uncommons, you want to make sure that there's exciting things for the casual level player, the casual constructed player. Because for a lot of them, not all of them, but for a lot of them, their excitement point is uncommon. Um, and luckily, a lot of the things that make casual construction exciting make limited exciting. And so, like I said, there's a balance here. We want to have things, like the Build Around Me cards are wonderful cards for the casual constructed. That, you know, it's a card that has a little bit of a challenge, and hey, you know, they can then build around it with their cards. That, that, you know, so that there's an overlap there. Um, also, a lot of times things that are, when I say sort of limited splashy, you know, like a Sarah Angel, that is exciting. Those cards are quite relevant. In, in a casual construction environment where the power level is just a lot lower, um, you know, hey, getting out a 4-4 flyer can be very, um, have a big impact in the game. And so we were looking at uncommons from a constructive standpoint. Um, it is kind of connected to, to limited in some sense in that we want things that are impactful and that in low level will matter because... Obviously, sealed is much lower level power level than constructed. So we, we want things that matter in lower level power games that that are that can be can be dominant without being overwhelming. Um, the other thing that goes on is that. So if I make a card, so another here's another reason why rare cards get pushed down to uncommon, is I make a card, we play with it, and it's fun, and it's fun and limited. And then we always look at it. Like, one thing to remember is, it's not as if rarities, there's not an exact line between rarities. It's not like there's a hard line. Um, there's fuzziness. And then when we look at cards, there are, there are cards with I, what I'll call gray zone cards, which are, they, they overlap two rarities. There are cards that could be common or uncommon. There are cards that could be uncommon or rare. There are cards that could be rare or mythic rare. And a lot of times it depends on what are you doing like, one of the things, for example, here's another reason, another place we'll use Uncommon, is sometimes we're doing a theme for a set, and we want to make sure that theme is prevalent enough. For example, when I, was, when I do artifact blocks, um, Mirrodin especially, although Kaladesh to a lesser extent, one of the things that people associate with artifacts is kind of weird, quirky artifacts that, that, that kind of environmentally do something. They, they change the environment. The problem is, normally, when we do artifacts... The way a normal set does it is the common artifact, there's very few common artifacts. Normally it's like mana fixing, maybe equipment or two. Um, and then uncommon has, I mean, a common also sometimes will artifact creatures. Um, common is a, is a little more detailed than that, but uh, usually the more wacky things we say for rare. Like, hey, everything's different. But when we're doing an artifact block, one of the things we do is we want to get that quality across. So we take something that normally we do it at rare in, in the average set, and we pull it down to uncommon. That we take some of the quirkier artifacts that are simple enough, where the complexity is not a problem, and limited is not a problem, and we pull them down. So that's another thing that uncommon tends to be, is finding what normally would be rare, but helps this set work or this set shine. Because one of the things about making a set work is, you really want to sort of play up its strengths, 
and play up, you know, we want people to see what, what's the cool part about it. And we want that cool thing to happen in limited. So there are things sometimes that, that we will lower the rarity to make them work. Like, like I said, in artifact things, we will take uncommon artifacts and sometimes make them common. We'll take rare artifacts and make them uncommon. Um, the same is true for other themes. Like sometimes, normally, for example, look at graveyard themes. Yeah, there's not a lot of things that interact with the graveyard at lower rarities. A little bit, but not a lot. Usually, it's a rare enough thing that more higher rarities do it. But in a graveyard set, where you care about the graveyard, okay, we're going to pull that down a little bit. And so that's how Uncommon gets cards from above. It gets cards from below because you're trying to do limited and you realize things are either cutting into complexity or power or splash or doing something that's being problematic and limited. And the solution to that is often pulling it up to uncommon. That's a way to lower its rarity but allow it to still exist in limited. Um, So it's funny because a lot of... Like when when I did my common podcast, so much of commons is... Commons are defined by what 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 defines the environment. And so, while there are, there are cards that could be common or uncommon, common kind of knows what it's doing. Where uncommon, in a lot of ways, is defined by what it's not. That it's not common. It's not things you want to show up at that rarity. It's not things you want at that complexity or power level limited or whatever. You know, there, there, there's things that you care about that you push up. So a lot of uncommon, like the, a very, very common thing in limited, not limited, in design, is I will ask my team to design common cards. And they will give me common cards, and we will play with them. And then the ones that stay, a lack of kills from the file, but the ones that stay often get pushed up in rarity. Uh, I mean, there's classic cases of, like, for example, Change of the Rocks, which was a pacifism variant that you enchanted uh, a mountain. And originally, that was a common card. It was really, like, a very, you know, flavorful telling card and as development played with it they slowly realized that it was at first too powerful for common and eventually or when I, when I say powerful I mean from a limited standpoint I was causing too much problem in limited and common and then they tried uncommon still so they ended up making it rare um, and so the a lot of things along the way uncommon when the dust settles and the things that are sitting in uncommon some of them spent time at common, some spent time at rare, mythic rare, um, and got pushed up or down a- accordingly. Um, the big thing, really, when you're looking at your uncommons, like, if you take your commons, so here in my metaphor, uh, if commons are the cake, um, uncommons are the icing. Uncommons are the thing, like, if I'm going to draft a deck and show somebody, obviously the things I'm most excited about are the rares and mythic rares. Those are the bombs and such. But if I sort of said, okay, what are the cards that, you know, people show off when they draft that are excited by that really helps define their deck um, that does it on a more regular basis, it's the uncommons. That the uncommons really are the cards. And like I said, there's the same parallel for casual constructed. They're also the cards that sort of get people excited that aren't buying quite as many cards. Um, Anyway, um, I'm almost to racial school. So the last thing I want to sort of talk about is... um, one of the things that happens in Uncommon is um, you are trying to serve two masters. That you are trying to make cards that do good work in Limited, that sort of play up Limited, but in the same sense, you're trying to make sure that there are splashy things that 
can enable deck building uh, at a lower level. Like one of the things to remember is that some people are capable, they, they can, whatever card they need to build a deck, they will get that card. Other people don't have that ability. Um, and so they're going to play with what they have access to. Uh, and so uncommons play a very important role in casual deck building. Um, and we want to make sure, not only do we want the splashy cards for limited, and this, we want to also make sort of the, the, the cards that really help drive and push together decks. If we want to make a deck, for example, that someone could actually play at F&M, but that doesn't require you know, lots and lots of rare cards, we lean on uncommon, obviously. Uh, and so we want to make sure that Uncommon has good, meaty things that people might want to build around that just don't have access to all the rares. You know, like one of the problems is even if you, even if you get one rare, getting four copies of a rare, you know, if you're not, if you're a lower, lower invested player is about how many cards you get. Wow. And so one of the things that's important is no matter how many cards of magic you buy, whether you buy one pack, five packs, ten packs, half, half a box, a box, two boxes, four boxes, a case, whatever level you buy, whatever level of cards you buy, we want to make sure that there's a fun experience for you. And that a, a lot of making that happen is figuring out wh where the excitement point is for that players and then designing that rarity um, such that you are making sure that the player that relies on that is excited by it. And that uncommons need to be exciting in a certain way to a certain audience and so a big part of making Uncommon is not just being in a place to fit things that don't fill elsewhere, but to make sure that you're doing that excitement, that you're, you are covering that area. Um, the other thing, by the way, is common cards, because their size are a little smaller, tend to um, don't quite go as high up the curve. Um, and so another thing about Uncommon is we let you broaden the curve a little bit to do a little bit bigger things. Not that we don't have smaller things, and not that there aren't efficient smaller things in Uncommon, there are. Um, but we want to make sure, one of the things, the way to think of it is, so, so here's a, they talk about, uh, there's a, I don't know, like a, a, a Y saying or whatever, where there's a master teaching a student. And the master says to the student, he shows him an, an empty glass. And he says, is there room in this glass? Is this glass full? And the student goes, no. And then he pours, um, like, rocks into the glass, all the way to the top of the glass. And he says to him, is this full? Is this full? And the student goes, yes. And he goes, no. And then he takes smaller rocks and puts it in and fills up the gaps of the bigger rocks. And he goes, now is this full? And the student goes, yes. And the, and the teacher goes, no. And then he takes water and he pours water in till water fits the edge of the glass. You know, and it's like, now is it full? You know, and that the idea is that part of what you're doing is you're always sort of filling in the cracks of what comes before. So that metaphor, commons are the big rocks. Um, and uncommons are the small rocks in that a lot of what uncommon wants to do is fill in the gaps of what common isn't doing. Um, and it trying, I mean, it's, it's obviously filling it up for limited because those are the cards that you depend upon. And then even in, in constructed, it's filling out in the, in the guise of, you know, what can I give you? I want to make sure for the player that gets excited by the uncommons, what kind of cards do you want and need that I can deliver for you? Um, and so when you're looking at your uncommons, a lot of what you want to see is, are your uncommons supplementing your commons? Are your uncommons taking the themes that your commons introduced and next leveling it, notching it up? 
Like, oh, well, this mechanic exists. Okay. Now, the, the common is the bare bones one. The uncommon gets to be a little bit splashier, a little bit bigger. Gets to, you know, be something that if you draw it early, maybe you're building your deck around. You know, the uncommons get to be the next level up. Um, obviously, at some point, I'll talk about designing rares. Rares are the next level up again. Um, but it's important when you're thinking of your uncommons that you realize that they are in relationship to your commons. Um, and you'll later realize your rares relationship to your uncommons. It's all connected. Um, but as you're building, one of the things you want to do is look at your comments and say, are my, what aren't my comments able to do? Or what are my comments doing that I need to do more of that I then need to go to the next level? And that's a lot of where uncommon sits, is taking your themes and pulling your themes up and stretching your themes and doing the stronger version of it or the bigger version or the splashier version, um, especially with limited and casual constructed in mind. Okay, well now I'm driving up to Rachel's school, so we are here. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, today was a little more technical, a little mathy, but but the one thing I'm trying to point about is there's a lot of different things we need to care about, and this is just looking at one aspect of one part. This is just one rarity of four rarities that we're constantly trying to deal with, and that normally, by the way, this becomes kind of internalized. That when I make a card, I can look at it and get a pretty good sense of what rarity it is or between what rarities it is. And so this is something you eventually will internalize. Okay, but I'm now at Rachel's school, so we all know what that means. It means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of making magic, it's time for me to be talking magic. Sorry, I said that backwards. <laughs> instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.